Hi, this is Ray Boom Boom Mancini, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for joining us once again for another edition of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak. This is episode 562 of the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, we have something a little different. We're going to go into the sports world and the movie world. Ray Boom Boom Mancini. Former lightweight boxing champion is going to be joining us. He was a sports commentator also. He was on Who's the Boss. He was uh, in the remake of Body and Soul. And he has a new movie that he's in coming out, or out actually right now. And it's called 645. He's going to be talking about that and a whole lot more in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. So get ready for that. And we've got quite a show coming your way. want to remind you, if you're on uh, any of the podcast providers... Please leave a review so people can know about us more. And also, if you are on Apple, of course, leave us a five-star review if you could. That'd be great. And also leave a little review so uh, people will know that uh, you know On Screen and Beyond is uh, continuing to give you more and more episodes with celebrity guests and everything else right here on On Screen and Beyond. So I hope you'll do that for us. Help us out a little bit and tell a friend. And also be sure to download, 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 and download some more. <laughs> Get them all downloaded, and you'll enjoy hearing these people talk about their life, and uh, whether it's uh, movies or TV or music, whatever. And uh, we got a lot more coming your way. We get lining up the guests, uh, taking us into the lives of celebrities, and uh, it's more just coming your way right here on On Screen and Beyond. So what do you say? Why don't we get right into it? Remakes don't seem to stop, and they're going to continue. Remake Madness is next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Up and try again. Remake Madness, we have some interesting ones here. Disney is cranking up the remakes once again, and you can look for a remake of The Tower of Terror, which uh, they did once before with Steve Gutenberg. It was a TV movie, and now they're going to do it again. And uh, let's see, Disney is also working on moving Space Mountain from a park ride to the big screen. I think they've done that a couple of times, and that's going to continue. And also, Casey and Colin Jost will be re, uh, co-writing rather a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie for Paramount. Now, this is a live-action one, not the CGI one that's being done by Seth Rogen. So there's a couple of them coming your way. Anyways, that's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we'll head down and find out what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies, Henry Cavell and Bryce Dallas Howard will star in Argyle. It's a spy thriller, and the cast is amazing. It includes Brian Cranston, Samuel L. Jackson, Catherine O'Hara, and John Senna, and it will be on Apple TV+. And Brandon Fraser has joined the cast of uh, Martin Scorsese's next film called Killers of the Flower Moon. And a Netflix movie called Rainbow is filming right now in Spain. It's about a girl named Dorothy who heads out on a journey of her own, and it's inspired by, guess what, 
Wizard of Oz. It's may this might even should be in the remake section. I don't know. Anyways, that's what they're saying. That's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, take you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming your way as far as sequels. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sequel City, well, it looks like as far as sequels, The Hunger Games prequel will start production in early 2022. The sequels to After, called After We Fall and After Ever Happy, has uh, those films will be going directly to Amazon Prime Video and not to theaters in the U.S. And Venom, There Will Be Carnage, the Spider-Man spin-off sequel, hits theaters on September 24th. And The Expendables 4 has no cast yet or a director, but Sylvester Stallone is teasing about the sequel, and it looks like it's going to be on its way in its in its early stages. That's it for sequels. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, TV on DVD. TV on DVD, well, it looks like Walker Season 1 rides on to DVD on October 26th, and due to delays in manufacturing, the release of Star Trek The Complete Series Steelbook Edition Will, that we previously announced uh, that will be coming out on September 7th, is delayed and it will not come out until October 26th right now. And August 31st, you can look for Fear the Walking Dead Season 6 as it crawls onto DVD and Blu-ray. And that's it for TV on DVD. Next, it's Movies on DVD. Movies on DVD, the 60th anniversary of The Guns of Navarone, will give us the film on 4K for the first time on October 12th. And Zack Snyder's Justice League swings to DVD and Blu-ray on, and 4K on September 7th. And The Boss Baby Family Business hits Blu-ray, DVD, and 4K on September 14th. That's it for Movies on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. <laughs> TV and Entertainment Time, Paramount Plus is looking to adding another Star Trek show to their ranks. And this one will be potentially about Starfleet Academy. And they currently have Star Trek Discovery, Picard, Short Treks, Lower Decks, Strange New Worlds, and Prodigy. And Season 4 of Cobra Kai will come our way in December. Star Wars The Bad Batch has been renewed for Season 2 on Disney+. And that is it for TV and Entertainment Time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond... He has a movie out called 645. He is the former lightweight boxing champion. He's been in a couple of movies and TV shows. It's Ray Boom Boom Mancini right here on On Screen and Beyond. Our guest today on On Screen and Beyond has been in several movies and TV shows, including Who's the Boss, the remake of Body and Soul, Amazing Stories, and as a sports commentator. 
He also just happens to be the world lightweight boxing champion from 1982 to 1984, and he is in in the Boxing Hall of Fame. He is now in a new time-looping psychological thriller called 645, now out in theaters. It's Ray Boom Boom Mancini. Ray, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Well, Brian, thank you very much for having me. I'm very flattered. Yeah, you know, right when I'm doing this introduction here, I almost felt like I should have said, "In this corner." <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you didn't. I don't know, man. I might have started. I started getting pin- sweat. You know, I started sweating when I hear introductions like that. <laughs> but I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, Ray, it is so nice to have you on here. And uh, uh, can you tell us what? Uh, 645 is about and give us an idea of how you got involved with it. Yes, uh, 645 is a time loop uh, psychological thriller, much in the way of Groundhog Day. It's Groundhog Day as a suspense thriller. Mm-hmm. And um, I got involved because I was, I'm involved with the Craig Singer on another project we're doing together. And that got pushed back. And I, I've had this script for about three or four years now. And uh, I told Craig, when this gets done, I want to be part of it. I want to be part of it. And so when other project got pushed back, this kind of got got put into the mix. And he said, hey, can you help out? Can you help bring some money to the table? And I said, I think I can. And um, I did. And, uh, and, you know, I was able to do that. Very happy to do that. And the great thing about being a producer on a film is you guarantee yourself some work. Right? Mm-hmm. You say, okay, I'm going to play this role now. <laughs> it's a small role, but it's a, it's a very important role. And um, I, I just thought it was a lot of fun to be part of uh, this particular film. And like I said, if you like psychological thrillers, which I do, then you're going to like this film. You're really going to like it. It's, it's very clever how it's, how it's done. And, um, you know, it's about a, a couple that go on a holiday and uh, the guy keeps waking up and same time every day and you got to try to change some things or the same reoccurrence happens and it haunts him, haunts hmm. him daily. And what I like about this film, Brian, is that it doesn't wrap things up in a tidy bow, meaning the ending's open for, you know, for interpretation. You know, it's interpretation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did this happen in real time? Is this something that happened in the past and it's haunting him now? Or is there something you think about doing in the future? It never gives you that. And um, and that's that's what I like about it. It's open for interpretation, and people have a lot of people have their own takes on it. And the great thing is when you can shoot things for a price. This was done on a budget, but it looks much much bigger because of our director of photography, uh, Lucas Patasi, who made it he's just a wonderful DP. And as I said, this was shot on a on a budget, but it shows what you could do on a on a micro budget. Mm-hmm. And and the, how big you can make things look, and the fact that we got a, a fifty city tour with Re, uh, Regal Cinemas just shows you show you the quality of this film. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm finding that uh, you know, of course, there's a lot of movies. Uh, well, not right now, but but mo- you know, a lot of times the big studios are putting out big productions, and they're you know they cost millions right. and millions of dollars and everything. Right. And a lot of times, some of the movies that are more independent made are better. Uh, only because you know yeah. there's a story. <laughs> yes, no, you're absolutely right. You know, Brian, I, I tell people the pandemic hurt a lot of people and a lot of businesses. There's no dispute. But two two businesses 
that it actually helped was one, the mom and pop restaurants that didn't depend on indoor dining, but the takeout. They killed it with the takeout, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And the other one was independent film. Because where the studios need months to rev up, we can hit the ground running. Right. And be up and running in a couple of months. And um, it, it really, you know, it's just, it was, this type of movie, if it wasn't for the pandemic, it probably would not have gotten such a, a, as big a, uh, a distribution that we have in yeah. 50 cities. And we, we may not have gotten it with a Regal Cinema either. Mm-hmm. So it's really helped independent films. And when you got guys like Craig Singer, who could direct, and, and Robert Klein, who can write like they can, um, then you got you got a chance of, at getting hitting uh, hitting a home run. Yeah. And I think this is going to do very very well, especially in the indie space. I think could have a long life on the streamer after that, and um, people are going to enjoy this. And the one thing about this type of film, everyone understands scary around the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. Everyone understands scary, so. Uh, I'm very excited about the potential of this film. Yeah. How how long a shoot was it? It was actually it was a, it was a four to uh, four week shoot, and um, you know not a long time. We start, shot it in January and February in 2020. And how apropos, it's a ti- it's a time loop uh, movie, right? But months later, when the pandemic hit, we were all in a time loop. Yes. And the <laughs> day, same you know days are running in the days. And the same thing happened. You wake up, you hear the same news. You're doing the same thing. You can't go anywhere. I mean, it was so apropos. It was it was very trippy, to be honest with you, that we had just made this movie and that the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think um, this is, you know, look, these type of films are food for thought. You know, we, we look at it as, you know, I, I'm always, I'm very interested in the, the, the human condition. And this examines that very much. You know, something... Uh, you know, people, you know, we all have demons that, that haunt us for years. And, you know, are we able to deal with our demons? Are we to get rid of our demons? Are we, you know, how do we do that? It's all of that stuff. And this is, like I said, is one of those movies that haunts you, uh, you know, long after you watch it. Yeah. Where, where was it filmed? It was, it was filmed in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Oh, yeah. And it was kind of cool to see the, you know, the stone pony right there where, Bruce Springsteen and right. Bon Jovi and Southside Johnny and Asbury Jukes made their bones. Yeah, yeah, wow, huh? Yeah, and now yeah. the the cast. I noticed that uh, the the cast is made up of some some really good actors. Uh, you got Armin Garo from The Sopranos, and uh, mm-hmm. Thomas and, T. Waits from the, the Warriors yeah. and The Thing. Right, right. I mean, that's a great thing when you have a movie of this budget and to get names like that. It shows you the quality of the script. And when you do when you do things of uh, of this budget, on uh, a micro budget, <laughs> what you want to do is you get young actors on the climb, and the two lead actors, Michael Reed and Augie Duke, are absolutely fantastic. It's their it's their breakout role. Mm-hmm. But you got to sprinkle it with names that people recognize: Armin Garo, Thomas G. Waits, and then for you know people who are involved with the, uh, in the rap world, Remy Ma and Forty Five King, they were involved. So it, it was just. It's one of the pieces that's going to break out a lot of actors. It's going to give them their their, their shot, and uh, it also showcases some uh, well no, other names that people recognize and, and outside their comfort zone, so to speak. Yeah, I, I also heard there's this guy called Ray Boom Boom Mancini who's in it. So <laughs> yeah, I heard it. Put this little little tiny guy in there and gave him a role. So yeah, yeah, it's, 
It's great. It's yeah. great. I, like I, I said, it's a small role, but it's an important role, so yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. I also noticed that in the uh, the list of cast members, there's a, a Leonardo Mancini. Is that is that re- related to you? It's my son. Oh, okay. And and that my son my son has been working steadily. He comes from the world of stage, which is wonderful. He's been up for awards on stage, and now he's got to he just finished his third film, and you know, and that's I had a film come out last oh November. This film has got another film coming out later this year. And he's on the climb. He's another actor on the climb. Mm-hmm. And as I got him involved, he said, look, I'm doing this. I want, you know, two detectives, the good cop, the bad cop. I want you to do it with me. And he did. And it was, like I said, it was a lot of fun working with him. Uh-huh. It was really just one of the things you always remember, that I was an opportunity to work with my son. And, uh, you know, he's going to be a star. Not because he's my son, because he's done it the right way. Mm-hmm. He's trained, you know, acting school. He's done the master's class. He's done stage. And most, there's no, everyone understands that stage actors have a higher credibility, respectability, and with a lot of producers, prefer preferability than other actors. So I'm very proud of him. I'm, I'm proud of his, his his efforts and his determination. And he's going to do well. He's going to do very well in this business. Yeah. And you, uh, you know, he's one of his roles, early roles that people are going to say, "I saw him win." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you didn't you didn't want to lead him toward boxing. You didn't want to head him that way. No, no, my kids, yeah, they made their own decision. I have two boys and a daughter. And my two boys both made decisions early on. They, they, when they were like 12, 13 years old, they were asked, are you going to be a fighter like your father? Uh, Leonard Amon said, no, my father did it. He was a world champion. It's for nothing for me to prove. And my other son said, my other son Ray, who's 25, and he's a fashion designer in New York. His company is Live on the Legacy. Live on the Legacy. And uh, uh, he came out with his first line in March. And it's boxing, it's athleisure wear, boxing uh, inspired. So it's it's cool stuff, man, real oh, cool stuff. Yeah. And um, he was once asked, he said, no, he said, no, I'm proud of my father. Uh, he did it. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm going to make my name in a different field. Yeah. And I'm so proud. They both, I never had to tell them what to say. They both got it. You know what I mean? They both got it. That, you know, I think they understood that what a, what a difficult uh business it is and i think they understood why i fought to win that world title for my father because i thought he thought he was unjustly denied the opportunity mm-hmm. but uh they also understand that there's other opportunities for them and they were going to pursue those yeah well i i, I can't say i blame them <laughs> I no mean, no I yeah. it's very difficult it's a very difficult business and you know i always tell people Boxing comes to you. You don't go to boxing. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like a little puppy dog. You know, they say puppies pick you. You don't pick the pick the puppy. It's the same thing. The, bo- the boxing is picks you. You don't pick it. Mm-hmm. It's a sport that you know. You it just I can't tell you. People don't know why you gravitate towards it, but you just do. Yeah. And uh, so you have to have a love for it. And uh, you know, and and I did. And, but like I said, my kids they come from a different world. That you know, and and they didn't have that. Nor, nor do they need to, mm-hmm. because they, they have other opportunities. Yeah. Now, what what made you decide to go from boxing to acting? Well, well Brian, I was when I retired, I was being represented by the William Morris Agency for commercial endorsements, appearances, mm-hmm. and other. And uh, I'd been offered acting roles while I was fighting, but I was never able to take advantage of it because I was in training camp all the time. So once I retired, I lo- I had no love for the fight game. You know, I, I lost the passion for it. And so I said to my agent, look, I want to give, I want to give the acting game. I want to, I want to give it a shot, but I want to do it the right way. 
And we said, Ray, great, you got to be out here where the action is. You got to come to California. Seemed like a good idea. So I went to California and um, moved there in June of 85. And I was going up for auditions, uh, getting some, missing most, you know, missing out on most. But I realized early on that um, I, 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 after a couple of years, you know, I wanted, I wanted to give it my all. I wanted to really pursue it. I wanted to do with the, you know, my buddy Mickey Rourke. Uh, uh, I, yeah. I wanted to do what he did. I wanted to do the real art. And I asked him, can you recommend an acting coach? And he recommended a gentleman named Howard Fine, who was like the Angelo Dundee of acting coaches. And I trained with uh, Howard for several years. And, you know, I didn't teach me to act, so to speak, you know, but it helped refine. You know, what it does is it teaches that your instincts are correct. You always follow your instincts. I follow them in the ring, and I follow them in the street, and I follow them in acting. And all it does is confirm that, you know, follow your instincts. But it shows you how to transition from one emotion to another and things like that. So I really, really enjoyed training with Howard. And, um, and then I went and, and I, I was able to you know, get some bigger roles. And then I learned early on, coming from the world I come from, where you control your own destiny. I win, I win, I lose, I lose. It's in my hands. Now I transitioned to a business that I have very little, very little control over that I had to take some control of my career. And that's when I started my production company. And I really didn't know anything about production, Brian, at the time. But I learned through trial and error, made every mistake. But I was fortunate that I was smart enough to develop relationships with writers, some that were on the climb and now are of some renown, and um, develop relationships with them. And they'd give me the opportunity to give me scripts that uh, they were writing. And, and so I've always maintained those relationships. And uh, now we're in a position to, um, to really you know, step ahead. Uh, I, I'm focused on producing. That's the main thing. Uh, and I'll, and I'll work in things that I produce, I always work in things that I produce. So I'll guarantee myself from work, mm-hmm. but I realized that I'm going to be producing for my son, Leonardo. He's the, he's the next, he's the next it thing. It's his, his, his generation. You know, he's 29 years old and he's really at the right stage. He's prime ready to hit now. And I want to be that guy that gives them his launching pad. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Now, what do you consider tougher boxing or acting? Oh, the entertainment business by far is tougher really? <laughs> because, again, as I said, oh, I'll tell you, because as I said, in the entertainment business, you control your own destiny. I mean, in the ring, I control my own destiny. In entertainment, you control very little. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, Dustin Dustin Hoffman once said to me, he said, "In your business, you get knocked on your ass, you know it. In my business, you can be knocked on your ass for years and never know it." <laughs> and I thought, "Wow, how profound! How profound!" And that's true and true. Yeah, yeah. Now. Do you remember what your first acting role was? Uh, my first, yeah, first acting role was, a, as you said, to, uh, Who's the Boss? Tony Danza's Who's the Boss? And we, I played one of Tony's friends, but that was easy because me and Tony were friends, you know. Mm, that's what so I was wondering, first, yeah. But my first acting role, where I felt like I was acting, was when I did uh, Steven Spielberg's Amazing Stories. You know, he had an anthology series on TV. It was the 1985-86 season. It only lasted one year, but it was a, a wonderful series. And, you know, we played, I played a World War II veteran, and I was in the cast with Charlie Sheen, mm-hmm. um, Philip McKeon from uh, Alice. He came from the show Alice. And a lot of young actors that were, again, on the climb also. And I played, we played uh, World War II uh, heroes of uh, soldiers. It was shot in black and white. It was called No Day at the Beach. And it was really, 
that's the first time I felt like I could say I was an actor because yeah. you really had to act in this. And the, and the producer, director was a woman named Leslie uh, Gladder, Leslie Gladder, and now she's one of the top female directors going. So uh, I feel very fortunate the people I've worked with through the years. Yeah. Now I mentioned in the introduction about Body and Soul. You were in that. Now right. some people may not even know the movie, uh, but it was right. a boxing movie. And yes. uh, it's it's one of those movies that you know if if you're a fan you know it. I mean because it was a, right. it was a big thing. How did how did you feel being in a movie that you know was basically remaking a classic? Well, I I I, I chased that's right. My company produced it. I produced it. I chased that for years. I chased that for eleven years to get the rights to that. I never wanted to do a boxing get do a boxing movie first. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to stay away from it. Then I once met with the producer, uh, Mark. Um, oh my God, I'm thinking he directed. Uh, he was a producer of uh, Red Hot Hunt for Red October and um, all those films. Uh, and um, I'll think of his name in a minute. But uh, I sat with him, and he said to me, "You know, I told him I do I stay away from anything from boxing." He said, "Ray, let me give you a little advice. Uh, you know, I would, I would." Find a piece that you've come to, you're comfortable with and, and go with it. He said, two good things to me. He said, sometimes you have to hit them with the obvious, and you don't want to have to convince the audience. I said, wow, that's great advice. He said, I, I told him, Body and Soul is my favorite boxing movie of all time. It's a film noir with mm. John Garfield from 1948. Yes. John Garfield is one of my favorite actors of all time. And he said, if you can get that, I would pursue that, get it, and, and do it. So that's what I did. And... Um, uh, it was funny because MGM owned the rights and they didn't know it until I told them because it was you know so far in the backlog they didn't know it. Right. And so there was a producer there. We had a, I had an original script, it was totally contemporized version. I could you know and you could call I could call my version anything I wanted, but I, I wanted the, the it was the 50 year anniversary. We shot it in 1998, and um, so uh, there was a producer there who took the shot with me, and um, I always appreciate that. And and we we did it, and we had uh, you know Rod Steiger, one of the you know all time great actors. Oh, yeah. I had uh, uh, um, um, what's it, Jennifer Bills playing the female Fatal. Uh, um, I had Michael Chiklis, Joe Montaigne, oh, and uh, uh, Tony Welsh. Uh, so we had a hell of a cast. Oh we did. yeah, and it was and it was the most fun I did I think ever had produce you know on working on something like that because first of all you're with people. You know, such great actors, the collaborative effort, and I think also the exhilaration of that I actually was getting it done. Mm. So that, that that meant a lot. So uh, if you like boxing movies, it's the best because I, I had actual I had Jeff Mayweather played uh, antagonist in the, in the boxing antagonist, and we were actually sparring. We were not pulling, you know, we pulled punches, of course, but we were hitting each other. So uh, to me, it's the best boxing sequences in any movie that you'll see. Wow. Huh. Yeah. yeah, that that's a. I, I can remember my dad always saying, you know, Body and Soul is such a great movie, and he he really enjoyed that movie. So uh, when yeah, I saw that great. you had done that, that was uh, yeah interesting. Yeah, yeah, I did. I I chased it down on purpose because to me it's my favorite boxing movie, and I and I took the advice in that and I you know to to uh, do that that movie because I said sometimes you got to hit him with the obvious. You don't want to have to convince the audience. 
And I thought, wow, that's great advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and like I was saying about who's the boss uh, when you did that, yeah. one, I can re- remember that episode. I, I can remember you being on that show. So that was. Yeah, that, that was the first thing. 1985, I did that. And it was the first thing I ever did. Yeah. And, and I, didn't, so, uh, I didn't know you were friends, but. Yeah, I, yeah I, oh, could, I knew Tony for a lot of years. Yeah. Yeah. Of years. It, but you could see it on, you know, I mean, that's one thing that you, watching that episode that you could see that either you guys were friends or you were a one hell of an actor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tony, you know, that, that Tony gave me my first shot and I, and I always appreciate that. And, um, yeah, he gave me my opportunity. And, and like I said, I always, Oh, well, that's, yeah. And I always appreciate that. Also, Brian, the gentleman who told me, I thought the producer, I said, Mace Newfeld. Mace Newfeld was a gentleman who produced Hunt for Red October and all the, uh, Tom Clancy books. Yes. Mace Newfeld. He's the one who said, get that script and do that. So I always be appreciative. And, and I listened to him and I was fortunate that, uh, you know, you take advice from people who, who are in the, who, who are in the know. Yeah. They tell you, you know, and, and that's doing the opposite. I was staying away from anything with boxing, but he told me to go to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, if it's okay, I'd like to just do a couple of quick questions about your boxing career. Yes, of career. course. Is that? I mean, I mean, you are you are the man. So <laughs> no question about that. Uh, why did you decide to go into boxing? I want. I, my father was a fighter in the '30s and '40s, as most people know, and he was the number one contender in the world from 1942 to 1944. And he signed a fight for the world title in February of 1942 and got drafted into the Army in January of 42. And he said, look, I want to defend my country. I, I'll give all my money to the Army Relief Fund, which at that time was crying for money. He said, I just want the opportunity to fight for the title. And the, and the Army said, no, we want you and we want you now. He went into service, never got the opportunity. He never talked bad about it, he never, but I could see how it hurt him. And growing up as a little boy, I always heard about how my father should have been, could have been, would have been world champion if it wasn't for World War II. So since I was a little boy, people say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I want to be a fighter and a world champion for my father. My father is everything I wanted to be as a man, as a father, and as a fighter. He was everything I wanted to be. I used to read his scrapbooks. I know his career better than him. And so, um, believe me, my father my father was a great fighter at the time, a lot of great fighters. And, and I said, he'd be the number one contender in the world. And he, and he got shot up in the Battle of Metz. Other than the Battle of the Balls, was the most destructive war in the European theater of operation, and it left him for dead. And then he eventually he got you know saved, and they say he'll never live again. And he won't live long because he lost so much blood. He got through it. They said he'll never walk again. There was so much shrapnel throughout his body, and soon they said he'll never fight again. And eventually he came back to fight. But my father went in the number one lightweight contender, came out of middleweight, and so. Um, he never regained the status that he once had. And and so he said, you know, like I said, he never talked bad about it. Always proud to defend his country. And I didn't realize all the medals, of, you know, he got the Medal of Honor, the, the Medal of uh, Purple Heart, Medal of uh, Bellier, um, all these accolades that I didn't know and he never talked about. And I found that out later. Hmm. And it just, it was just, I'm so proud to be, you know, of him and who he was. But as he said, he was my he was my hero as a man, and I basically wanted to wanted to be him. So um, that's why I became a fighter. But the funny thing is, he's the one who tried to talk me out of it in the worst way. He's the one who said to me, Raymond, I was a, I, it was it was depression. I had to eat because you know I, I had I had to, I had to eat. There was no jobs, so I had to fight. 
But I had other opportunities. I had academic as well as athletic scholarship to go to college. I had a professional baseball offer at the time. She wanted me to pursue those. But I said, no, nah, Dad, I want to win that title for you. So what's he going to say? Yeah. You know, Ray, hearing you talk about your father and what he went through, uh, you should make a movie about that. I mean, that well, would that'd be fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I, I think, you know, yeah, we we did, we did like the good stuff was based by, about him and me, my career. Um, that there was a CBS movie made on him and me. Early on. That was, you know, I was okay. I was, you know, I was flattered at the time, but in retrospect, it never, it wasn't flattering to my father, but I think you're right. I think just his story, where he came from, and I think it's a great character piece. Oh, yeah. It would be a great character piece for somebody that, you know, my father comes from depression, um, uh, you know, and he would come in the streets of Youngstown. He had a fifth grade education, and yet you know, he only had a fifth grade education, yet he was my greatest life teacher. Mm-hmm. My father used to say things, and, and, and always remember, he used to say, Raven, always remember, one day the headline, next day the breadline. Same people calling you champ on the way in or be calling you bum on the way out. Yeah. Don't ever take the serious, meaning the fame. Not the, not the bit the fame. Don't take the fame serious. And I did. I had fun with it, but I, ne- I understood it was borrowed time. Yeah. And he you know, always said, Raymond, always remember, there's, it's a small fall from the limo to the curb. Mm-hmm. And yeah. things like that. Yeah. And I always remembered that, you know, so he was my greatest life teacher, you know. And, um, uh, yeah, I miss him dearly. But and, uh, but I had a wonderful parents. My, and my mother, I always said my father was my motivation. He was, I mean, my father was my inspiration. I'm sorry, he was my inspiration. He's everything I wanted to be. But my mother was my motivation. Mm-hmm. My mother's the one who made me believe I was 10 foot tall. My mother made me believe I, there's no limitations on anything I could do. Only limitations I had are those I put on myself. Mm-hmm. So I had, a, I had a beautiful blend with two beautiful parents. And so yeah. I was very fortunate, you know. Yeah. Now, <laughs> of all the fights that you did, um, is there any one that you consider to be... Your, your best, uh, you know, and I mean, and it may it may have been one you lost for all we know, but I mean, I was just curious. No, no, I mean, the best fight is winning the world title. What can be better than that? Right, yeah. that's the greatest, greatest achievement. I don't know, if, you know, in actual, I don't know if it was my best fight, but it was my best moment in boxing winning yeah. the world title. Nothing will ever compare to that. Uh, maybe number two, defending for the first time in Warren, Ohio, the next town over where we filled 20,000 20, people at, at the ec- most economically depressed uh, area in the country at that time. And we were such a, oh, so, and they yet 20,000 people came out to support me. So um, I really, really appreciated that. That was a great moment for me. And number three, probably fighting my, my third title defense at Madison Square Garden when I defended the title against Orlando Romero. Because for every little leaguer, you dream of playing in Yankee Stadium, right? Mm-hmm. For every fighter, you dream of headlining at the Garden. And I was able to do that. And the funny thing is, the the garden had never changed. The garden didn't change the ring in over sixty something years. So when I fought, there was the same ring that my father fought in. Same ring that Joe Joe Lewis, Jack Dempsey, Rocky Marciano, all the greats, Sugar Ray Robinson, all the greats fought it. That was the same ring I fought it. So you talk about inspiring. You talk about uh, the ghost of great fighters past. All of that. It was it was very surreal for me to be in the same ring that my father fought in. Many many years before. Yeah, when when you got into the ring like that, I mean, were you thinking about that? You know, the people that had been there in the past, and and were you nervous? Or, I mean, I, I don't know how you feel I, I, when I was, you're up I, there. I was always nervous before every fight. People said, "Were you? Were you scared?" I, was, I, I said, "Not scared of the opponent. 
scared of the unknown. Mm-hmm. But it's a good thing. It's it's a good it's good uh, to be have fear because fear keeps you on edge. Fear keeps you sh- sharp. But here's the mo- here's the key. You it's how you manage it. If you use fear for motivation, use fear for fuel. Like I said, it keeps you sharp, keeps you on your keeps you keeps you keeps your senses right. But if you let fear overcome you, you and you succumb to it, that's when you give in, and, and you and you can never win with that. It overwhelms you. It overwhelms you. Yeah. So I, I always tell people. The hero and the coward face fear the same. That's what they do with it that makes them the hero or the coward. The hero uses it for energy, as I was just saying. The coward succumbs to it. Some days we are the hero and some days we could be the coward. Don't get me wrong. It's not not a one-time thing. You have to train your mind every single time. And so um, I like to think of myself as, you know, not scared, but, but, but I was nervous. Yes, I was nervous, but it was a good nervous. You know, it kept me sharp. Yeah. Well, Ray, I, I, I want to finish up with uh, one more question uh, before sure. we head out, but uh, I do want to make sure that people check out uh, 645. It sounds like a great yeah. movie, and I, yeah. I know they'll enjoy it. And, um, you know, uh, it, it's just a movie they should be checking out because it is out now in theaters. So, yeah. Yes, it is. It's one of the films that you want to see in a theater, believe yeah. me. Yeah. And, okay, the final question uh, yes, and, and this takes us away from everything you've done. Your your boxing, your your acting, and and producing, and everything else. But when you sit back and relax, what are your favorite TV shows now and of the past? And what's your favorite movies now and of the past? Well, you know what the funny thing is, I my wife can't understand. I love I O D on TV Land. Mm-hmm. Andy yeah. Griffith show every morning is Andy Griffith from nine to eleven. Then I see Bonanza, and then I see uh, Gunsmoke. I, I, it brings me back to a, to a, a time of my life when it was very you know happy, secure. You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's, it's just one of the. I love TV Land, and uh, I love Two and a Half Men with Charlie Sheen. Oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> and and, uh, and you know John Cryer, and um, that those shows from then. I really you know, and I say what I didn't watch at the time. I, but I started watching it over the last couple of years. But I'm always uh, uh, to, uh, going back. It's the original Law and Order, and then, but I, I love Law and Order as you know SV, uh, SVU. Yeah, I love that. But then there was Law and Order Criminal Intent. Uh, you know, I, I, I just love, I now I binge watch on those. Those are movies that at the time they were out. I didn't watch them, but now I, I can't get enough of it. So. You know, the uh, Dick Wolf shows were are tremendous, great quality, great actors. You see a lot of big names that went through their through those shows, and so uh, yeah, I mean, I like to I like to binge watch on TV Land. Yeah. What about movies? What what, what movies? Movies. Do you... <laughs> My favorite movies. Every time it's on, if I see Godfather one or two, it's the most perfect movie of all time. Godfather one and Godfather two. Mm-hmm. To me, it's one movie. Yeah. Godfather one and two is two not one movie. It's just it's the same movie, just two different. You know. An extension for seconds, an extension is first. Yeah, um, I, I'll watch that no matter what every time. Uh, so I like to watch, you know, um, I, you know, Netflix now got some new interesting stories, interesting movies. Uh, they got these little rom coms that normally I wouldn't watch, but I really they got a great quality and they make you feel good. So, so I, I like to watch those, you know. I don't like to watch a lot of depressing stuff, but sometimes you, I, uh, I like drama because it's real life. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know, if it's dep- if it's depressing, then I won't watch it, of course. But um, 
you know, the movies of the of the seventies, man, a big, I was a big fan of the seventies movies, whether it's, you know, um, the getaway, uh, of course, with, with Steve McQueen, yes. but, um, or, 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 you know, Gene Hackman and, uh, and, um, uh, Gene Hackman with the French connection. French connection oh yes. man, you can't get no better than that. You know, those movies of that era, you know, every time I see dog day afternoon, uh, Serpico, I'll watch the movies of the seventies, the cop movies of the seventies were my favorite, man. I used to go to movies and watch it and you just can't get enough of it. There was such a quality at that time and the actors that were on the come that became major stars. This is when they were in the prime. Yeah, I think I think we watched a lot of the same movies, right? <laughs> because those yeah, were the ones yeah. I was watching. <laughs> great, great stuff, great stuff. Yeah, well, Ray, yeah. I, I it's it's an, been an honor to have you on the show. Right, thank I you. I think, I'm flattered. So much, thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me. And good luck with the uh, six forty-five. Thank you so much, and I hope that uh, I can come back on when I have another project coming up. Definitely. There he is. A big thank you going out to Ray Boom Boom Mancini for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. And be sure to check out his new movie, 645. And uh, you can catch that in theaters. And then, of course, I'm sure it'll be coming out to Blu-ray, DVD, and all those sorts of things. So get ready for that. And uh, that's it. That's about a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. Just be sure to check out onscreenandbeyond.com. We are continuing to update since our move, and uh, we are getting all the episodes up slowly. They're going up, so you may hit some links that uh, we haven't put the episodes up yet. But uh, you can just go there and, you know, see who we have and who you can wait for as we continually, every day, load more episodes from the past on uh, different uh, podcast providers and everything. If you are out there and you are listening to On Screen and Beyond, I hope you're enjoying the shows. And, of course, download all you can, get all those episodes, and uh, we'll uh, continue to put more up. We have over... But like I said, we're up to 562, so <laughs> we got a, a whole lot more to go. We're probably about 220, I think, somewhere that we've reposted. So uh, keep going and looking at those, and uh, just tell a friend. And uh, that's it. That's a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. So until next time, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. Uh-huh.